everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen, and on deck for today's episode. I'm going to talk about the crazy week that it was for the debut of the Super Mario Brothers movie, which did insane numbers. We'll break that down in just a little bit. I've got some trailers that I want to talk about coming from both television, streaming, and the movie world. Uh, some that I'm super excited for and some that were a little underwhelming. Um, also got some shows to talk about that are about to return and some that are on the verge of their final episodes and uh, one of them that got me a little bit sad this week. I'll talk about that. And then towards the latter part of the episode, I got a topic, um, something that came up this past week and it's got me super excited once again, just when I'm ready to let go wrestling again because they let me down so hard with the decision on Cody Rhodes and everything that happened at WrestleMania, um, just when I think I'm out again. They got something to pull me right back in. It's that little glimmer of hope because wrestling has always been there for me and it never lets me down. And there's something coming up and I'll get all my thoughts on that to you guys uh, at the tail end. But let's start off with uh, the movies this past week and how everything did at the box office. So obviously I told you guys the Super Mario Brothers was going to be number one. There was no doubt about that. It opened last Wednesday to get a start on the Easter holiday weekend along with Air. Um, And just to kind of retort against one of my buddies, Jake Ramirez, if you're listening. No, I did not underestimate this movie. In fact, nobody really did. I mean, they all had it making a really good amount of money this past week, especially for the five-day weekend, uh, the holiday weekend. But what we didn't figure was that it was going to be one of the biggest animated movie openings of all time. Not just video game. We're talking animated movies. So that's what it did, folks. In the span of five days, I believe it did over 200 plus million. But I'm just going to go over the the weekend numbers from Friday to Sunday. And let's go into the top five movies of the week of April 7th through the 9th. At number five, we got Scream 6, bringing in 3.4 million, and which ups its total to 103 million, uh, making it the highest grossing, without inflation, folks, the highest grossing film in the Scream franchise. So this is a massive success, even though it's just a little bit over $100 million, For those of you that are like, oh, that's nothing. Um, it's a big deal in terms of like this franchise for it being the sixth movie. And it's still bringing in, it's kind of been revitalized. Um, it's definitely going to uh, bring in a part seven. Now, whether that's going to happen Sooner rather than later, who knows? The directors of these last two movies are going to work on their next movie for Universal. I believe it's going to be like a monster-type movie. And they're going to be getting uh, the star of the Scream franchise in this one, uh, Melissa Barrera. She's going to be heading up that movie. So I don't know if they're going to get different directors for Part 7 or if they're going to let them do this movie first. And then they'll come back and and, and do their own trilogy um, with this new cast. And that's probably... It, it, that's my best bet, you know, going with uh, with Screen 7. And I say probably not. We won't get it next year, but we'll start hearing about pre-production and filming starting like early next year. And then it'll 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 be about a two-year release. So we'll probably see it like in 2025, to be honest. Um, at number four, and this one slid pretty badly considering it was number one last week. I, I thought it would be like number two and have a little bit of a stronghold because of its uh, – Good word of mouth, good uh, critic reviews and all that stuff, but uh, I, I guess not. It plummeted 62%. That's Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves grossing $13.8 million, bringing its total to 61 Um And as the dominance of the Super Mario's Brother movie continues, and then in just a few short weeks, we, we're going to have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This one's not really going to have much legs to pull out to maybe get to 100 I can't even see this getting to $100 million. Maybe... 80, 90 at the most um, is what I'm predicting for this one. But right now it's a sitting at 61 million for Dungeons and Dragons. So it was number one last week, but we got it. We got to call it like it is. Um, you know, Shazam had the same kind of opening, and then it just plummeted pretty badly. Although Dungeons and Dragons did open up a little bit higher, but still, uh, I don't know if this bodes well for like a sequel or anything like that. I'm not sure on the the budget for this. It did look pretty high, you know, considering like. It's a uh, fantasy and had a lot of CGI and stuff like that and production design and all that stuff. So uh, I'm sure this movie was not cheap to make, but we'll see what happens. We'll see if we get any news on whether there's going to be a sequel or if not. They consider this a bomb. Um, not sure on the worldwide numbers. Uh, I can look into that next week when we, we take a look at the box office and I can report back on that. At number three, 
was Air from Ben Affleck starring Matt Damon, bringing in $14.4 million. And now, again, this one opened just like the Mario Brothers movie on a Wednesday. So its total as of right now is at $20 million. 204,133 if we're being super specific. Uh, now this is a great start for a movie that's gonna have, I believe, legs enough to where, you know, the adults are gonna keep coming in. <laughs> I had extra shows over at my theater this weekend. It was just in high demand. So the, the movie, like the, the appetite for it, it's there from, for the audience as a good alternative to the Super Mario Brothers movie. So it was smart to open up against it because you had stuff you had the audience there that wanted to see it so and it's been doing well during the week and it's 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 got a lot of good pre-sales at least at my theater for this this upcoming weekend so i'm expecting air to continue to have you know it's not going to be like dominating numbers but if this movie can get to at least 50 million this is a win-win for amazon and for ben affleck and matt damon's company because like i mentioned they started that that production company artist equity which is going to give a bigger piece of the pie to everybody that's involved in the in the film not just you know the actors or the director you know it's going to go to like camera people and you know just whatever lighting people and anything you can think of as far as like what goes into the production of a movie? People are going to get bigger slices of the pie. So um, this is a good start for them. And again, it's got terrific word of mouth and terrific critic reviews. And everyone's already talking Oscar buzz for this movie. So maybe just like everything everywhere all at once, we're just going to continue to see it uh, just gain popularity. That's what happened with everything everywhere all at once. Because I remember like we never had it like really in in a gigantic house or anything like that. But in the in the houses we did have it in. Uh, it was constantly selling out every week. Now, air is not quite at that level yet, but it's, there's a good amount of people going to see these shows. So it's a good start for it. And we'll see what happens this upcoming weekend. You know, 14 million for the start, even if it dips to like, it's, I, I say this is the movie that's probably going to dip the least out of everything that's in the top five here. So I can see it making another like nine, 10 million and it'll dip just a little bit. And uh, again, it's just going to continue to slowly, grow and get uh, good box office numbers. It's not going to be gigantic, but it's going to be good enough to call it a success. At number two, and Air was just super shy of catching this one to be in second place. Uh, that was John Wick Chapter 4, bringing in 14.466 million. Air brought in 14.456, so just off just a little bit. Uh, John Wick bringing its total to 146. This movie also continues to dip just more and more. I mean, I don't know. I, I thought it would have stronger legs. This, everyone's been calling this a masterpiece. I definitely don't consider it that, even though I still really, really enjoyed the movie and thought it, it's definitely a recommendation. You should definitely check it out. But I am really shocked as to how quickly it's kind of like died down in numbers. I thought it would still hold on pretty strongly, but it's still number two. I can't complain. And it's already approaching 150 million. Um, not sure what the total number was for Parabellum chapter three. Again, I'll report back next week just to see where we can gauge where this one's probably going to end up. Is it going to be the highest grossing in the franchise? Uh, we'll, that's wait and see. And then, of course, number one, the Super Mario Brothers movie opened from Friday to Sunday with 146.3 million. Again, its total is at 204 million. This is the biggest, uh, animated movie opening ever worldwide. Um, not the biggest opening ever. Uh, in the U.S. domestically, that still belongs to Incredibles 2, which was around 180 some million. But as far as like worldwide, like you, you pull in all the numbers from everywhere. The Super Mario Brothers movie is uh, the biggest animated movie opening ever. And that's just, that's great for Universal Pictures. That's great for the movie theater industry. That's good for the studios, right? Because this whole time, it's like Disney's been holding a grasp on the, uh, on the animated features. Like they've been like the ones that are, the box office kings and universals just stepped it up so much um you know with minions and you know the continuing success of, of that and then you know there, there's other features that they brought in like where they're kind of like stepping up and now that the universal has got the super mario brothers movie and illumination all that stuff they're they they've got a franchise on their hands they can spin off and do other kinds of um different features in the mario world not necessarily about the mario brothers but you can do all sorts of other different things, including sequels to this movie. So, uh, Universal is going to be in good hands. The movie theaters are going to be in good hands. So, and like I said, and I told my buddy this, and again, I'm going to call him out, Jake Ramirez, who told me that this movie was not 
targeted for children and i told him yes it is just wait and see uh he saw it himself he even said oh yeah it's more it was more of a kids movie it's like i told you and even like the little kids again i work at a movie theater so the kids coming out of this movie were just over the moon with this they were saying it was the best movie they've ever seen and i and i've seen these kids come out of a lot of uh animated movies and working in this business for so long and i never saw like this type of excitement coming from the kids where they're shouting that like i heard that multiple times this weekend about it being like the greatest movie they've ever seen um so yeah that again just huge numbers it was so busy at the theaters uh especially ours you know the movie's short too so there was a lot of show times a lot more people coming in and out of the building so that's why i mean it was chaotic it's give and take man i love it i love it in the sense that business just goes by so quickly the work days were so fast and the take is just, man, it's just, it was too crazy everywhere, you know, concession lines all over the place, you know, theaters full and, you know, families and kids making mess and all that stuff. That's like the bad part of it, right? Like, you know, having to dread cleaning it and, and dealing with all the lines. But, but again, at the same time, it, it's, it's great to see the business thriving like that. It's just good for, for my industry and it just, you know, and we're only like a few years removed from when we thought, Everything was just going to completely collapse. This entire thing of the movie theater going experience was just going to go away and everything was just going to be streaming. And, and it's nice to see that we're starting to see the opposite, including for a movie like Air. Like I want to say like maybe up until like a year and a half ago, this movie would directly be put on streaming and wouldn't be given the theatrical distribution and the experience. But you're seeing people come out like and especially if you make movies like this. And this is why I'm really so like over the moon with air is because it's got movie stars in it ben affleck matt damon like the the story is not like so groundbreaking and it's not like so of a complex story but the fact when when you do something like this and you got movie stars involved like that that alone is a sell oh hey look that new matt damon movie's out let me check it out he's usually more often than not good and stuff oh ben affleck's also in it and, and chris tucker marlon wayans viola davis she's always good so that's what I mean. Like movie stars in movies like this will always thrive. And especially if you got all the right components, of course the movie has to be good and all that stuff, but that's all like, you know, subjective, but still if you got all of that, you can make a pretty good movie. So like I said, the, everything was thriving this weekend for us and super Mario brothers movie should continue to dominate this weekend. We got like 60 movies out, but the two most notable ones are like the Pope's exorcist with Russell Crowe which will do well with our crowd here in South Texas with the horror movies, but usually just for the later shows. It's not like an all-day affair. Uh, the other one is Renfield with uh, Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage. Not sure on that one. That one's more of like a horror comedy, but probably leaning more towards the comedy. Um, it's kind of a hard sell, and Nicholas Cage is kind of hit or miss, you know, depending. Like, he's got a following, so he'll have, like, his his people that come see all of his movies. And But I don't think this is going to be enough to crack maybe the top three i don't see it i can see you know air is going to hold well um john wick should still be in the mix and then of course there's still a lot of good stuff out there scream six dungeons creed is still out there even though uh creed is also on digital already you can buy that at home but it's still racking in money so uh, i don't know we'll see but so those movies got you know hurdles ahead of them this weekend and then uh but super mario brothers is just going to overshadow everything and it should up until Guardians uh, coming up in a few weeks. And that one I'm a little bit interested in because I was looking at our pre-sales for it and it's a, a little bit concerning. Now, for a movie like Guardians, I consider it in the pantheon of like Iron Man and Captain America. Um, not as big as the Avengers, but clo pretty much close to it, right? Those are the biggest ones in all the MCU right now. And this is being built as the final one. So I thought there would be a, a little bit more of high demand for it and don't get me wrong like there's sales for it and it's there's going to be people in our building and stuff. i'm not saying it's going to bomb but i i thought like looking at the weekend for it upcoming on may 4th i believe is when it comes out or 5th somewhere around there i thought the numbers would be a little bit higher and we're less than a few weeks away like i was looking at the date and i was looking at the sales and i was like oh man like it hasn't really sold as much as i thought and i looked at the date and i'm like man we're only a few weeks out so I don't know if the fatigue's starting to set in, and I know I've been talking about this for a long, long time, or just maybe the fans are already turned off by this next era of Marvel and everything that they're trying to do with the multiverse. Even though Guardians is not really 
pointing in that direction as far as like the marketing wise. And knowing James Gunn, I know he's going to tell a full story and bring this one to a wrap because this is the final one he's doing. This is the final one with this cast. You know, we've heard Dave Batista say he's not coming back. And uh, I'm not sure, like, you know, you're going to have to pay big money for, like, Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel. And I'm sure Marvel would dish it out. But I haven't even really heard about them coming back or even Chris Pratt. So, and I'm sure he will he would come back. Um, but I, I, if I were him, I'd say bring me back only if it's, like, an Avengers movie or a big like one-off team-up movie, but as far as like a another Guardians movie after this with another director, I can't see it. And Chris Pratt's also been um, hinting at doing something in DC with James Gunn, so I know he's more collaborative with him, and maybe he wouldn't want to do a Guardians without a James Gunn. Um, but again, Chris Pratt is all over the place, man. Uh, and I forgot to mention he's the lead in the Super Mario Brothers movie, voicing Mario, which all of the man babies and and all the geeks were crying foul when he was casted and even when the first trailer came out where everyone was giving him shit for it and i was like just watch nobody's gonna care it's gonna make all the money and sure enough that's what he did so i'm happy for chris pratt again i don't know what the deal is with this guy where he gets so much hate and even then i mean i don't like everything that he's in but i have nothing against the guy personally so i really don't get where this is coming from where everyone's always hammering on chris pratt whenever he's casted in something and i think the next one he's doing is garfield hell man bring it on man that movie's gonna make money too so good for you chris pratt just keep making that money but i don't know if i would consider him a movie star just yet he's kind of leeching off of these properties where if i were him i don't blame him i mean jurassic world and the marvel and this now the super mario brothers movie the lego movie he's racking in so much money just by the use of his voice and you know just latching on to these uh existing ip properties so good for him uh, and that's what you get, man, children. Nobody was going to care. And that, that kind of makes me, I'm going on a little tangent here, but just let me for a bit if you'll indulge me. Um, I was thinking about Sonic the Hedgehog. And when the first trailer came out, and this is before like all of the final like touches on the CGI were finished, uh, people were complaining online about uh, the look of Sonic. And I was like, I mean, I, I thought it looked weird. But I wasn't like stark raving mad over it. And I was, I was a Sonic the Hedgehog guy. I was more a Sonic the Hedgehog person than like Super Mario. So I was a Sega guy. So I grew up with Sonic. And even when I saw the first look of it, I was like, okay, like it looks a little off, but still think it's cool that they're going to make a live action like Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Like I'm into that. And I saw a lot of people just crying foul over it. And then eventually like the creators came in and they redid the design and it looked a little bit more closer to what it looked like in the video game and i mean it all worked out but i'm starting to wonder if like you know because everybody backlashed against chris pratt voicing mario and yet the movie still made gigantic amounts of money and sonic was a huge hit too and i'm starting to think maybe had that they kept that original design and not really cave in to like the crying man children if the movie was still going to make money anyway so i mean you know who knows? I mean, it's easy to say that in hindsight, but I'm starting to wonder, like, maybe just go with what y'all are thinking. It's not does just because the fanboys are crying over it doesn't mean that you got to cave in to what they're demanding. Super Mario Brothers is exactly my point on that. Um, so that's the box office for this week. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, got some trailers that I want to talk about upcoming uh, for TV shows and a couple of movies. So stick around. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, Mom, what will I be? Here's what she said to me. Open up now. This is what happened to all. It that happened to us. I'm getting this out of here. Meanie, meanie. Meanie. You. Welcome back to the show, folks. Uh, Evil Dead Rise. I don't know if I'm going to be checking that out. Um, I'm not really familiar with the franchise. I've seen bits and pieces. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Sam Raimi. Um, but I know this is a new take and a different director and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, again, it's not really down my alley. Um, horror, it, it just it depends on what it is and also depends on who's around me that I could go watch a movie like this with. Uh, there's a certain somebody who I would go if they asked me to, but, uh, 
they're not nearby, so probably not. So I'll skip it. But uh, there's only a couple more movies in April that I want to check out before we start kickstart the summer season. And that's uh, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Uh, I love Jake Gyllenhaal and, you know, a story about a soldier and his connection with this guy that he was dealing with in the war. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I've seen the trailer once, but that was kind of enough of a sell for me. I'm not really sure on the exact details of the story. Um, but again, Jake Gyllenhaal pretty much is almost a, an easy sell for me. Uh, he was an ambulance last year and he was terrific in that. Um, and then of course the other one that I'm looking forward to is Bo is Afraid. And I was starting to look at this and it's the next movie from Ari Aster. And he's the guy that did Hereditary and, uh, Midsommar. And I'm starting to think, man, is this director, like, do I like him? Is he one of my favorite directors? Because I've pretty much enjoyed everything he's put out so far. This is only really his third, like, direct feature, like, mo- like full motion picture. Um, to me, Hereditary was one of the scariest movies I've seen in this last decade. So he did his job with that. It was weird also as well. And I'm a guy that, like, enjoys, like, the weirdness. If you watch, like, Twin Peaks and anything really David Lynchian style, um, that's, like, just out of the ordinary and just making you question a lot of, like, reality and stuff like that. Stuff that's just way out there. Like, I'm super into. Midsommar, I thought that one overall as a movie was all right, but I still appreciated it for how weird it was. Um, and then, of course, Florence Pugh was tremendous in that. And now this new one with Bo is Afraid. It's got Joaquin Phoenix, who's almost great in everything. And this one looks just as bonkers, even more weirder than anything this guy has put out. So I started to ponder that a little bit. Is this guy, Ari Aster, is he one of my favorite directors? I don't know, but I'm definitely intrigued with everything that he's come out with so far. So that's saying something. The last director to really catch my eye with stuff where I was really interested in any project he was attached to was Christopher Nolan. So maybe I'm onto something there with this director. Who knows? Uh, but those movies are coming out in a couple of weeks. So, but let's get to the stuff that I wanted to cover this week. And, um, so I got a couple of shows that are ending some that are coming back and also ending. So I was in a little bit of my feelings this week. Um, I watched this, adult drama on ABC called a million little things. Um, it's not like top tier television by, by all means, but it's, it checks all the boxes in what I like in dramas. And, you know, it's got the characters, which there's a lot of really, really good characters in this, uh, series. The storytelling is a bit iffy at times, but if you can hook me on with characters, sometimes the so-so storytelling, I can get away with that because I enjoy the character so much. Um, that one's got three episodes left, and this past week's episode kind of started to really give us a sense that this series is coming to an end. It's been on for five seasons, and I feel like it hasn't left the impact that I thought it would. You know, when it started off, the the premise was super strong, right? It's about these group of friends in Boston, and like the kind of like the leader of the group commits suicide. And it brings these friends closer together. And then there's a lot of dark secrets that are exposed. Started off really strong and it, it grew strong in terms of like the characters and the chemistry and all that stuff. That stuff has remained through and through for the show, like and through its entire five season run. But the storytelling has just been kind of off hit or miss. Some of the story arcs are just eh. And some of them are just like, I don't really care about this. But again, it's got enough character development where I'm like, man, I really kind of don't want to say goodbye to these characters, even though the the storytelling is a little bit underwhelming. So I got in my feels about that <laughs> towards the end of the night after I'd finished the episode. And, you know, this show also has like good music. So I made a playlist on Spotify with all the songs that were that, that have been featured on the show throughout the seasons. And I was listening to that. And then I popped in my head. I'm like, hey, Barry's coming back this Sunday with uh, Bill Hader. But then I remember that that's entering its final season. So I got in my feels again and it's like all my shows are ending. Um, I'm watching like the final season of The Flash. That's ending. I'm watching the final season of Riverdale. That's about to close. So we're, we're kind of wrapping up on these style of television shows where it was really long forms of storytelling with lo- like, you know, more episodes than not. Nowadays, like with streaming and all that stuff, you get seasons that are like super short, whether it's like eight to 10 episodes with stuff like The Flash 
and Riverdale and even a million little things. I was looking back on their catalog of episodes. Um, they kind of stretched over that 15 episode mark. Now the standard for me growing up when I was watching television was always like one season was always 24 episodes, whether it be a traditional sitcom or like your dramas, like your ERs and stuff. Um, those were always 24 episodes, but television's not really like that anymore. And even on these final seasons of these shows, like the seasons are kind of shortened to what television is now. So like a million little things is going to finish its run with 13 episodes. That's what this season is going to contain. Uh, the flash as well, about 13 episodes. That one's coming to an end in about four episodes or so. Um, Barry is only on four seasons, but that from the start, that was already kind of like in the new form of television episodic, uh, in the way you watch stuff, kind of like more of mini movies rather than a long, uh, episodic series. Um, that's going to be about, I want to say it's like eight or nine episodes that this final season is going to have. Um, so that I, again, I got in my feels this week is just a bunch of these television shows are ending and I'm like, where, where am I going to go now with television? Like, it's kind of like, well, what's next for me? I'm always like looking for what's the next thing that I'm going to get into. You know, succession is another show that's about to end. And the last thing that I really got into where I was like highly invested, even though it was a show that had been off the air for so long was the Sopranos. And that one really hooked me in. And that one left me like, man, there's really not a show that could really reach this level. There hasn't really been a show. There's been a few that I've kind of gotten close to, but nothing has really reached the pinnacle of what the Sopranos brought to top tier television. And, um, and just as I was like thinking about that and getting sad and in my feels and all that stuff, uh, two, two little trailers popped up, uh, this past week on the internet. The first one is going to be on Peacock. Uh, and again, I'm all for movies spinning off into television if the mythology is there and if it's intriguing enough. So the first one is going to be the continental, which is coming from the world of John Wick. I think that's the little subtitle for it. Um, I knew this show was going to happen. Didn't really know too much on the details. I thought I knew the casting and I'll talk about that in just a second, but this is going to be like a, I think it's only going to be like a three part event that three little, it's going to be like basically like a little mini movie split into three parts. So I don't even know if this is going to be like an actual series or if it's just like a limited one time thing, or obviously if it does great numbers they they may invest in some more stories, but I'm excited for that. So the trailer popped up. It's only like about a minute and a half or so. It tells you just enough. It teases you just enough just to get into this world. Um, it deals with the uh, the younger version of the Ian McShane character in the actual John Wick movies. I forgot what his character name is. I'm blanking. Sorry. I'm thinking about so many things uh, during this time. I, I can't think of the character name. But it's, it's supposed to be about his early days um, in that world of John Wick, which has been so good on the – on the world building and the mythology that I'm okay. I can get invested in something like this, right? Like it's kind of worth exploring because they're so good at dropping those little nuggets. Um, and the other thing about this show that got me like super hyped and I had no idea was I was reading articles going on and they were like, Oh, Mel Gibson says Mel Gibson to star in the continental. I was like, Mel Gibson, like how did I miss this casting news? And I'm pretty good on, on catching this stuff, you know, cause I really don't want to know like plot details and stuff, whether it's television or movies, but I'm usually good with who's getting casted and stuff. And I totally missed the mark on Mel Gibson getting, uh, picked for this. And sure enough, they're probably hiding it because there has been a little bit of backlash. Um, apparently the world's still mad at Mel Gibson. And I know he said some horrible things in his past. Um, but I'm able to separate the art from like the person. Like I don't know Mel Gibson as a person, and I really try not to dive into like the personal lives of and politics or views of whatever somebody's singing. I like to look at the art. Like so, when I look at Mel Gibson, I think of Lethal Weapon and Signs and Ransom and all these tremendous movies he's given me throughout the years. So I I, I look at him through that lens and not really so much on his personal side of stuff. Um, and if you want to knock me for that, whatever, I don't give a shit. I'm still going to enjoy the art. So yes, I am excited that he's going to be involved in this and it makes it a little, it gives it a little bit more gravitas because you can say whatever you want about Mel Gibson. He's one of our best stars that we have and have had in, in the motion picture and just in the entertainment industry. He's given us a lot of entertaining stuff and I, I'm pretty sure he's going to play the villain in this. He was good as the villain in the Expendables 3. 
So again, folks, I know how to separate the art and the person. So I'm excited for this. I don't give a damn if you want to shit on me, like saying, like, how, how could you support this? He's like, he said all these things. Yeah, but I'm also not going to condemn this guy, like for the rest of his life. Like, did this guy kill somebody? Did he kill a kid, babies or anything like that? If he didn't do anything outside of like committing murder or, you know, assaulting women or whatever it is, yes, he said some probably ugly things. Yes, I agree. They're, they were probably horrible, but I, I haven't looked into any of that stuff. I look at just the work that he's done in in the entertainment industry, and uh, I'm just going to keep it in that lens. So, yes, I'm excited about the Continental spinning off from the John Wick world. It's a prequel, so it's going to have nothing to do with the story going forward. And if you haven't seen John Wick Chapter 4 yet, go check it out. What are you waiting for? Because you're going to get spoiled on a lot of stuff. There's a lot of important things going on in that movie. Um and then let's shift gears to the next one that, that's going to come out. This is going to be a, I think it's going to be a limited series. It's not going to be a multi-seasonal thing, I think. So this is spinning off from the Batman world that Matt Reeves created. And, you know, you know my thoughts on that. I thought that was one of the best movies uh, put out in 2022. And it was just a nice, fresh take on Batman, which is incredible for a character that's been around this long and has been in, reinvented so many times on the big screen and more... More recently, he's been reinvented, like, closer, closer in years, you know. We had the Ben Affleck version just a few years ago, and now we have Robert Pattinson, who just did a tremendous job also as well. And, and a lot of that with the direction of Matt Reeves, so he did an incredible job with that. So now they're spinning off one of the characters, uh, played by Colin Farrell. He played the Penguin. It's not a new character. It's a, it's a character that we've known in the comics, and we know we've seen it in the movies before even Colin Farrell. Danny DeVito played him in Batman Returns. So we're going to see a different uh, storytelling for the Penguin, and he's going to have his own show. And it's also going to take place in between the events of the Batman and then leading up to the next Batman sequel, which is coming out, I believe, in 2025. So I am super excited about this. It's still in production. They're still like – I'm sure they're still casting people, and they're still shooting it. But they put out a, a little trailer that had – plenty of footage that i thought like for it still being in production they had a lot of stuff filmed already and of course colin farrell's coming back to play the penguin and he was one of the standouts of the movie he did a tremendous job and he looks like he's still in his element here he's still going at it like at full 100 and it kind of gave me that little sopranos vibe it's got like it's gonna deal more with the the mafia underworld of gotham so and again i'm invested in this gotham that matt reeves has created so and I'm sure they're going to weave in Batman at some point into this. They, that's been put out there. That's the only thing story-wise that I know that for sure is going to happen in this series is because it's going to tie into the next Batman movie. So there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that. And again, I'm super excited because just, just from the look of it and the vibes, it was total Sopranos and that's my shit. So Mob, Batman, you know, from Matt Reeves, I'm sure he's going to be involved in like some of the screen stories and stuff like that. I don't know if he's like directing any of the stuff. I'm sure he's he's written the stories of what he wants told because this is all his universe. So I'm super excited about that. And that's going to be on Max, which was one of the other big stories of this past week. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is rebranding the HBO Max streaming service to just Max. And it's like people are making a big deal out of it. Like, oh, how could you... How could you change the name or whatever? And in my mind, I'm like, it's going to have all the same content that you've been watching on HBO Max. Oh, they're going to charge like three different tiers. So does Netflix. And you, you're always all up in arms about that. You hype up Netflix. How is this any different? Peacock does this. Paramount Plus does this. Disney Plus does it. So, I mean... Big deal that they changed the name and they dropped the HBO off of it. It's still going to have all the HBO shows and it's just going to be called Max now. Like, no big deal. People are like throwing fits and it's like, I think the name Tubi is stupid, but it's still just a streaming service and it's got a, a lot of stuff in there that you want to watch. So am I going to like not watch something on Tubi because it's called Tubi and I think it's a stupid name? No, that's dumb and you should get over it. The fact that they changed the name to just Max live with it adapt or die it's still gonna have all your stuff on there does it still have friends yes does it still have all the hbo shows like sopranos entourage all this stuff barry yes succession yes it's gonna have all that stuff so what are you crying about get over it and i'm talking to a specific someone won't call him out again for the third time you put two and two together <laughs> um 
So that's that's it for television. And uh, now let's get to uh, a movie trailer that quietly dropped last week during, uh, I believe it was what? I don't know if it was Star Wars Celebration or – because I know May the 4th hasn't come up yet. So it was either Star Wars Celebration. I don't know. They unveiled a bunch of Star Wars projects. But that's not <laughs> what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't care about any of – Anything Star Wars related going forward, they just want to put that out there right then, right here now. Like, I don't care. It does nothing for me. I was really into The Mandalorian, but they took forever to bring out Season 3. And that's been out now, and I just have no interest in going back into that world. Like, they've lost me. They took too long. Like, sorry. Like, there's just other stuff going on. And, you know, I just, yeah, I, I've been fed too much by Star Wars. Obi-Wan Kenobi was kind of like the finality of it. It was like, yeah, I, I've... I've had my fill of this world, like, enough. Um, so we all know that Lucasfilm is part of the Disney brand now, so they own everything that's a part of Lucasfilm, and, and one of the properties that belongs to them is the Indiana Jones franchise. Now, they put out a teaser, I believe, in December, and that one was pretty okay for a teaser. Like, I liked it, and they they, they got real dramatic with the – the music, the theme music, they, they remixed it to give it more of a trailer epic feel. And I liked it. So that first teaser like did it for me. I'm like, oh, I'm super excited. One more Indiana Jones film with, with Harrison Ford returning. Like this is awesome. So they dropped this new trailer, right? And even I didn't know until like later in the day. And I was like, oh, I keep hearing like new Indiana Jones trailer. I'm like, is it the teaser again? Um, but no, it was an actual like full trailer, more of like what the story is going to be. And if you haven't seen it, obviously look look for it online. But I just want to give my overall thoughts on just the presentation of it and the feel of it. I don't know, man. It, it, I love James Mangold. He's the one directing this. It's not going to be Steven Spielberg who's done the, the previous four movies. Like it just doesn't look or feel like an Indiana Jones movie. And the way the trailer starts off, it's playing like um, – what's that song by the Rolling Stones? Um What's that song? Pleased to meet you. I forgot what the name of the song is. I was trying to sing it. That's my attempt at trying to sing a song. Um, I think it's like Sympathy for the Devil. I think that was a song. It's like, oh, that's kind of not the Indiana Jones vibe. It's really old school, like really old school, even farther than that song. Like why is there pop music in this or rock rock music, I should say. But it, it just didn't feel right. The look of it also um, – like it's very dark, like in color tone. Like the thing about the Indiana Jones movie, and this is where you can tell it's missing that Steven Spielberg magic is like it doesn't have that authentic look like that it's from that time. And I know in the Indiana Jones franchise, we're moving up closer and closer to like the present day. Not so far in the in the present day, but like it, it keeps moving up in years, right? It keeps up with the times, at least from from where the point that it started in the story with Raiders of the Lost Ark. But I don't know, it just – it feels too dark picture-wise, like the look of it, um, it, the music that was used. It just didn't do it for me. Like am I still excited for the movie overall? I want to see what James Mangold does as far as like for his spin on it. But I don't know, just the look and presentation and the trailer-wise where it's supposed to sell you more. Like it didn't get me more hyped. I was hyped with the teaser because it showed you just enough. And again, I'm all about like the music that's used in the trailers to hype it up. So, like, with Indiana Jones, like, you don't need that pop culture music in there. Like, that Sympathy for the Devil song, like, just didn't fit the vibe. Um, and now you can say, like, well, Palace, well, you don't want it to be, like, you know, the same as the other sequels. Yeah, but you, you still want it to have that same authenticity and the same feel that you are watching, like, an Indiana Jones movie. Not, not that it takes you out of it and you're like, well, what is this? Like, yes, it's Indiana Jones, but it also looks so far off from what Spielberg had done with these movies. Um, but again, we'll wait and see. It's just a trailer, so I'm not gonna just be like, oh, I'm protesting this. I don't want to see this. This is disgusting. Like, where's my Spielberg? Give me my Spielberg Indiana Jones movie. Like, no, I'm not gonna do that. Um, but as far as like a trailer, it was just underwhelming, and especially for this big of a franchise and this big of a character that's been in the pop culture world since forever. Um, I don't know. It's just overwhelming. It, it, I mean, underwhelming. And, it's supposed to be the final one, so they're going to have to try it real hard with the marketing and get back. Just sell it on the freaking theme music, the John Williams theme and and Harrison Ford. And one of the other things that was kind of like a little off about the uh, this, this new movie that's coming out is the CGI. I know they're going to de-age Harrison Ford in a sequence. I don't know if it's like at the beginning of the movie, probably. And 
they started to show more footage of him, like in the DH version of himself. And you can kind of see like, ah, oh, yeah, like you can totally tell that that's what they did as far as it. And this is where like the whole AI and all that stuff, like kind of the deep fakes kind of come into play where it's like, oh, I don't know. You're, you can start to really tell where, you know, it looks like a video game character as opposed to like a real life actor. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they're still doing final touches on that stuff. I'll wait and see until the final product. I still think the best use of that has been Marvel. Um, and especially with what they did with uh, Kurt Russell and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. To me, that's still like the best use of that. Where they used the correct lighting and, and the, the framing of it to make you think it was Kurt Russell from when he was back like in the 80s. So, I don't know. It's still touch and go with that type of uh, CGI and you know, de-aging and, and all that stuff. So it didn't look good in the trailer, but again, we're still a couple months out. I believe it comes out at the end of June. So we're still about like two and a half months away. So maybe they're still doing final touches. So, and, and again, I love James Mangold. He's one of my favorite directors and he'll, I'm sure he'll do justice to the character. And I'm sure Harrison Ford wouldn't come back if like he didn't think it was worth his time. You know, he came back for star Wars and, um, you know, he got what he wanted out of that. So, again, I don't think he's going to do another Indian, and especially not doing it with Steven Spielberg. That's the other thing. So, he must have liked what Mangold is selling for this one. So, I'm going to trust in Mangold. And again, I'm being just nitpicking with the trailer, but it's just a trailer. So, I'm not going to blow a gasket. Can't do that. I'm still going to see the movie regardless. Um, and those are the things that I wanted to cover in, in this middle portion of the pod. Let's take one more final break. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit of wrestling, and uh, I'm hooked once again. So stick around. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. Meet Ahmed, our new interpreter. Don't turn out to be a pain. Not me, sir. Well, I that man saved my life. John, you're going home. And now I have to go save his. Ahmed ended up with a price on his head from the Taliban. If you can find him, we'll airlift you out. I am going to get that man and his family out. Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, rated R, theaters April 21st. Welcome back to the show. Guy Ritchie's The Covenant coming next Friday, and I'm getting a little bit more hyped after listening to that spot there. Jake Gyllenhaal, I believe this is like his second time venturing into like a war-type movie. Um, I got to revisit Jarhead. That was one of the ones. I remember that one captivated me when I was a little bit younger. That was like... Right about the time I was graduating high school and getting into college, I remember the trailer for that. And again, Gyllenhaal is very good for the most part. He's one of the best actors of this generation. So it's an easy sell for me. This is not really the type of movie that Guy Ritchie does, or at least that he's done more recently. Um, you know, you think of, you know, The Gentleman and, you know, Snatch and all that stuff. So it, it's just, it looks different and, uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see what kind of story he's going to tell here. So that comes out next week. You'll, you'll probably get my review on that. Um, so let's end it off with some wrestling talk. Um, you've all gotten just basically all of my thoughts on what I feel about WWE at the moment and their decision on everything that they did with Cody Rhodes. I thought it was like the perfect time to transition to someone who's just going to carry the company for the next couple of years. I, I believed he was the perfect guy and they had all the, great momentum for it and they're still doing good and all that stuff but i believe like a lot of the goodwill was washed out with the decision on wrestlemania i wasn't the only one that thought this way there's a lot of wrestling fans that were kind of bummed out that they didn't put the championship belt on cody Rhodes. so i'm like oh am i gonna invest more time into wrestling and you know maybe i should just check out for a while and then maybe come back every now and then check in which is what i had been doing the last couple of years even before like the existence of AEW. Um, and speaking of AEW, this is where I'm going to get real pumped again. So one of the last episodes I did before I took my hiatus off the show was I was recapping the aftermath of the all out, uh, scrum and the brawl that took place behind the scenes between Kenny Omega, the young bucks and CM Punk. And now CM Punk had just finished off a championship match in which he regained the title, but he tore, uh, I forgot, it was something like off of his shoulder, so he had to get out, go off and get surgery. He was going to be out for that. There was a lot of frustrations building up into that, and there was a lot of stuff that was said uh, publicly. Dirty laundry was aired. We'll just leave it at that. I won't rehash the whole thing. So basically, CM Punk has been out of this whole thing, and we don't, really don't know 
what the fate is of him or or even like at the time the young bucks kenny omega obviously those guys came back and they they're still part of the show and part of the main storylines going on there and for me in aw i was like man i've been watching the product and but it just something about it just feels like stale to me like they're putting on good shows and good matches but there's nothing really hooking me to be like oh gosh i cannot wait for the next episode and that's what cm punk brought into it where it it just gave me like this like i want to see what's going to happen next week every week with this guy um so news came out this week that first a that cm punk has been i believe cleared medically to come back he's healed from his injuries and all that stuff i think he's good to go that's what all the reports I've been reading from the people that I trust, you know, like the Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful, Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer, you know, just all these inside guys that I follow who really like are good at getting the behind the scenes stuff. Like now there's dirt sheets everywhere and people report all these different kinds of things. But when it comes to like the, the real important stuff, like I tune into those guys. Um, because Sean Ross Sapp is the one that told us that CM Punk was going to come back and join AEW in the first place. So I trust his reporting here. So, um, he's reported also, he, he didn't report that other one, but he reported this week that CM Punk has been put in plans to return to the company. Um, now whether this has been finalized or whatnot, not sure, but he's reported that there, there are plans for him to come back. Now there's a lot of controversy over this because he's the one that kind of instigated this whole backstage drama that kind of just erupted after that pay-per-view all out back in September. So we really didn't know what his status was. You know, there was nothing about his contract being bought out or being released or anything like that. So it's like, well, what's going to happen? You know, at first I thought maybe he wants to get out and go back to WWE maybe because, you know, they were uh, just headed in the complete right direction, right? They were going on the up and up and, and they still are. But I'm just saying like once Triple H took over, like things were the ball was really getting rolling. So maybe there was a chance he could come back. Uh, over there and maybe just get buy out of his contract here. But we never heard anything on that. So it's like, well, what are they going to do with CM Punk? Like, what's the deal? And Tony Khan has been real hush-hush about it and hasn't really talked about it in interviews or or just flat out hasn't talked about it at all. So that's been the more frustrating part of things. But now that these little things have been trickling out about Punk and now, you know, Sean Ross Sapp is reporting it and Dave Meltzer is reporting it. So I'm excited at a possible CM Punk return now. Am I a fan of everything that happened, uh, on that night at All Out and in, in the press, uh, you know, conference or the post scrum, whatever you want to call it? No, I'm not. And I'm kind of like, it sucks that CM Punk had to air out all that stuff. Do I agree with a lot of, uh, the things that he said? Absolutely. You know, I, I've always been a believer in like, you know, don't let people like ruin your good name, right? Especially like if it's, just hearsay and stuff going around the internet. We all know how stuff can pick up steam and people will run with it. And if it's not really reflective of what what's really going on or, or or how your character really is, like yeah, stand up for yourself. But in the way that he did it, yeah, it was very very immature and just. And again, I totally understand from his point of view where it was all building up. He got injured in that championship match, so he knew he was going to be gone for a while. So everything just it was the perfect like you know atomic bomb to go off like all the pieces were in place and it happened so if he makes amends and he apologizes great like i think like if he apologizes and says hey like i'll i will take you know 70 30 on the blame for everything that happened here because the the young bucks kenny omega all those others that were involved like they need to take some responsibility too they are executive vice presidents of that company so they should have known better and for it to escalate into an actual fight, physical fight, you know, that was not good on their part either. And I know they have that AEW all access show right now on TBS that's airing. That's kind of like, uh, I don't want to say like total divas, but it's giving you the behind the scenes look on everything that's going on in the TV shows and all that stuff. So you're getting more input into their lives and how they're dealing with stuff backstage. And the young bucks are painting themselves like, Oh, like this is, this is a stain on our career, on our mental health, which I'm all for that. But they need to also take responsibility in some of the stuff that happened there. Like they can't just be the complete victim. Like I said, 70-30, like there's 30% there that they got to own up to the stuff that they did too. Like it wasn't all CM Punk. He's a majority of it, but he wasn't a complete 100% all in the wrong in what happened on that night. So if he makes amends... And he was the one drawing a lot of business to that company. Like he was bringing in 
uh, older viewers and, uh, you know, people that had lapsed from watching the product on either side, you know, he, he brought back people that weren't watching just wrestling in general and the sales were up on, on merchandise, on ticket gates, uh, pay-per-views. He was drawing numbers and you can follow Brandon Thurston on Twitter who gives you like all the numbers on that and he was a massive draw for AEW and if he apologizes, and tries to make amends and even says he wants to work with those guys, then they should all be for it. Like, there's drama everywhere in the workplace. Everywhere you've got people like that. You know, I've got people like that in my company, but you just, you deal with it as a professional. You, and if you, you feel like you're wrong, you talk it out, you hash it out, you apologize on, on either side, you know, whatever the situation is, and you move on, you work and you make business. That's what it's all about. So for me, on the business end of things, and this is a, of course, Punk has to apologize too. Like I'm, I'm not for him just coming back and like him not just kind of like just wiping away what happened. Like no, he has to atone for that. He has to, you know, apologize or even pay a fine or whatever it is. You know, even if it's a little like ten day suspension or or whatever. Um, but if he does that, if he abides by all that and makes amends and you know tries to talk it out with everybody and they still don't want to do business, then that hell with those guys. Like still bring him in anyway. Because that guy's gonna draw in ratings. People are gonna, even the people that are criticizing that follow the product that are like so like pro AEW, they, they know they wanna watch. They wanna see what's gonna happen. And this guy draws in tremendous eyes to anything that he does on television. Like ever since CM Punk returned in 2021, he has been doing some of the most amazing work of his career. All of his stuff was must see. Check out his feuds with MJF and the Hangman and John Moxley. Uh, all that stuff was good. Everything he was doing on television, his wrestling matches, everything was different. So yes, I am a hundred percent all in for CM Punk coming back and for the business wise, that's just good for everybody. It's good for the industry because it'll probably make WWE kind of like, okay, cool. We got to, you know, pick up our ball and just keep, keep, you know, turning the momentum up. Like, let's not get coasted here. Um, even though AEW is still doing good, but if they bring back CM Punk, that just shifts the momentum to AEW. Just a slight bit. Um, and they got a stadium show that they're going to do their first ever one for AEW in London at Wembley Stadium. That's where SummerSlam 1992 was held. And if you remember that pay-per-view, it's a classic event. Just look it up. Um, that's a massive stadium and AEW has never attempted to do that yet. And, and if you want to draw like a good, like 60, 70,000 crowd, CM Punk is the right guy to bring in to help with that. Now, I'm not saying it's just him, but if you want all hands on deck and if you have him under contract, why not bring him in? Even if he comes in for one like last run, and as long as you get him on that show, that's just going to be good for everybody. And if the uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are going to like play boo-boo face and just want to play victim for the entire thing and don't want to work with him and maybe want to not sign their contracts or their new contracts or whatever's going on with that. Fuck it. Let them walk. Let them walk, man. Because at the end of the day, this is a business. And yes, there's going to be mishaps and not everything's perfect. In any business that you go into, there's drama. There's, you know, people like, you know, egos collide and all that stuff. I've seen it. I've seen it in my industry. I've heard it from, you know, friends and other people like in their places of business and all that stuff. There's always... There's always going to be that. It's how you persevere and how you manage those things and then still try to be professionals and, and just make, continue to make money in whatever, whatever industry you're in. So, um, again, I, I'm super excited. CM Punk is one of my top five favorite wrestlers of all time. I enjoy all of his work, uh, dating back to when he was in Ring of Honor. And then of course everything he did in WWE. And then when he exploded huge in 2011. And then up until like this big hiatus where there was just this big buildup of is he ever going to come back because we want to see him have like this one giant run. And when he came back in AEW and he hit a home run, he sold out an entire arena just on the rumor that he may be there. So he's a big deal and I think he still is a big deal. And I think a lot of people read into like, and I'm talking about like the mainstream, like I'm talking about the people like that follow this stuff, like all the dirt sheet people. Like they think the mainstream people are like aware of everything that's going on behind the scenes. And maybe a lot of them don't even know 
about all this stuff that happened with CM Punk and they were just wondering like well, what happened to him because there's there's been no mention of him at all or anything. So if I'm a mainstream uh like casual viewer and I just saw like that CM Punk wasn't there anymore, I'm gonna be like, well, what the hell is that all about? Would I go research it? Probably not and just be like, oh well, he's not there anymore. I'm not gonna watch. But then it would have helped if they had, you know, mentioned him or said why he wasn't on television. They could have even just said injury, but I don't, they just completely didn't, uh, say anything about him or anything of the situation. And this has been like the weirdest thing in wrestling that I can remember just of anything for as far as like the real life behind the scenes drama stuff, like where this has been kept so hush hush. And I still think there's stuff to the story that we haven't fully heard and i'm this goes for everybody i'm sure everybody has their speculations about that they think they know all the things that happened at that in that brawl that happened at at all out um but i'm sure there's there's stuff that hasn't come out yet so there's a reason why it's been hush hush and they don't even mention it on that aew behind the scenes show so again that's also funny but CM Punk, it's got me pumped. Uh, the report says it's possible like around June that he may return. So it might still be a while. But if it's true, AEW's got me hooked again, man. And that's, I mean, I'm still watching it. But I mean, I'm talking hooked as in like, I want to see. I can't wait for Wednesday Dynamite. I can't wait to see where wherever he shows up and whatever he's going to do. It's going to be awesome because he's that kind of talent where he can work with anybody and he can do all types of like amazing business. So it's best for business folks. Get over yourselves, apologize, everybody shake hands and go make some damn money off of this because it'll be awesome for just everybody. Win-win. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it so much. Um, I'm going to tease it now. The next episode is going to have my first guest back. And this is somebody who hasn't been on the show. This will be her second time on it in three years. So she was kind of on during the, like my first little run when I was still trying to figure out what this show was going to be. So I'm excited to have her back and she'll be on, uh, the next episode whenever it drops. Uh, I won't give a definitive date because we, our, our schedules have to line up so that way we're able to record, but she'll definitely be the next episode. I'm super excited about that. I've got a poll on Facebook right now where you can vote on, on what, what you want us to talk about because we kind of want to make it a crazy episode where we can really go off topic on so many things. Um, and we're not scared. We've already, we talked to each other. We've said like, Hey, like, are you scared to talk about anything? We're like, no limits, man. No limits. So. She's going to be on. I won't, I won't. That's the only tease I'll, I'll give you. It's a her. Uh, so yeah, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that, but thank you so much for tuning in this week. You can, um, listen to this podcast on Spotify, Apple podcast, iHeartRadio, anywhere where you can get your podcast. I do release this through podbean.com. You can get the app. You can listen through there too. I release it through all my social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Sometimes I do a little TikTok. Um, you can get all, all of the information through my socials on how to get to the episode there. Um, you can leave me feedback, comments, whatever you want, good or bad. Uh, I'm always open to constructive criticism because I'm still always trying to learn how to be a better podcaster. And I know sometimes I'm not the best talker and I talk over my thoughts sometimes. And sometimes I, you know, stumble on my thoughts or I don't say the right thing, but I, I'm trying and it's hard to do a one man show. That's why I'm always looking for, for guests to be on the show. So. I got one coming up and uh, that, that'll help me uh, be at ease whenever I do these shows because it, it's nervous, man. I'm going to be real honest. It, it's, it's really, it's real nervous to do these one on one man shows because you don't want to leave any dead air and uh, it's just, you got to continue to, you got to have the wheels turning and rolling. Like that's why I respect guys like Colin Cowherd who does, it's almost a one man show, but even though he's got like a little co-host, but for the most part, he's talking the entire time. So, and then even him, his, you can tell like the wheels are going and going and going and he just has to continue to, to talk and not leave any dead air. And if you want to make it in this thing, you got to be able to talk. And I've been doing this now for about three years. So, and I'm still learning. I'm not saying I'm the best at it, but hopefully I, I'm continuing to grow and you'll notice a trend if you go back and listen to past episodes. So, yeah, just doing the best I can. So uh, just stay tuned for the next episode. It's going to be a lot of fun, and who knows what it'll be about. And you'll probably also get my review of 
Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. And I think we're going to have an early show of Bo is Afraid on IMAX. So I may catch that. So you may get a double review as well. So, but definitely for sure my next guest will be on and it'll, it'll be a whole lot of fun. So take care. We'll see you on the next episode. God bless you. 